now arriving. The Let's Talk Train Show. All We're live at the Botanical Gardens in Wichita, Kansas, at the Garden Railway Garden. This is the Let's Talk Train Show, sponsored by the American Passenger Rail Heritage Foundation. We'll be back after this message. Join us and help us make the American Passenger Rail Heritage Foundation better than ever. Your membership will help us further enhance our exhibits and attractions in north-central Missouri, including the Let's Talk Train Show. Our goal is to set up a museum dedicated to passenger rail history, including Amtrak, located in La Plata, Missouri. Memberships and contributions from friends like you will help us achieve this goal. For more information about the American Passenger Rail Heritage Foundation, membership, and opportunities available, visit our website, www.aprhf.org. Welcome back to the Let's Talk Train Show, sponsored by the American Passenger Rail Heritage Foundation. And uh, we're in Wichita, Kansas today, um, in the middle of the railroad garden here, and it's a really interesting day we we have lots of stuff to cover today because wichita has a wonderful railroad heritage um and of course people in wichita do love their model railroads and uh, the garden here has a wonderful model train layout but let's start first as we do with every on the road show we bring in our official uh city official and um for that today we bring in um councilman pete meisner uh, Minsner, I'm sorry. Um, and uh, Pete, thank you very much for joining us today. Um, tell us, if you would, a little bit about Wichita and how it got started and um, how long have you been a councilman? Well, I, I, thank you for having me on and thank you for inviting inviting me, but also thank you for uh, hosting this in Wichita and, and beautiful botanical gardens is a Oasis of flowers, as you uh, walk around, you'll find. But, uh, uh, yes, uh, Wichita has had a long history of uh, of trains, and a lot of it was uh, based on, of course, the Santa Fe Trail was, was through there going east and west, and then, the, uh, and then the cattle drives from Texas, you know, up through Oklahoma City and Wichita and uh, up to Abilene for uh, – for the cattle drives, so had a history long before uh, we were around. What's the what's the thing of Wichita right now? Um, what's what's the status of railroading in Wichita? Do railroads still use Wichita for freight and for passenger service, or what? What's happening right now? Well, absolutely. There's uh, there's trains that, that that come in and out of Wichita daily. I mean, every the BNSF and some of these other roads rails have. Uh, 40 to 50 to 60 uh, trains a day coming through. So it's a, it's a uh, gathering spot for a lot of uh, current freight trains. And, uh, and so the passenger train 
that we've been working on is uh, would just be an additional train on tracks that already work quite well, and uh, and we'd like to uh, we're pursuing connecting. There's a gap. If you look at the uh, the country with the Amtrak map, it's easy to pull up on Amtrak.com, and you'll see that if you wanted to get from Texas to any of the northern routes, you would have to go all the way over to Los Angeles or come over to St. Louis. And so in between St. Louis and Los Angeles, there's a gap. And currently there's a 180-mile stretch between Oklahoma City up through Wichita to connect to Newton that could sure uh, close that gap, and that's what we've been working on. Now, recently Amtrak started um, a throughway bus service um, between Oklahoma City and, and Newton through and using Wichita as a, as a spine there. How is that perceived in your city? Are people um, using it? Well, yes. They, surprisingly, uh, we they officially announced it on a Monday morning, but the uh, but it's funny. Amtrak already had it on their uh, website for for ticket purchasing the week before, and so we had a uh, press release on Monday morning and a press conference with Amtrak here in Wichita, and ironically the. Uh, there was already like five passengers that had connected in Newton that night or that early morning and connected on this bus service that day to Oklahoma city. And I might say the bus service is a, it's a charter bus service uh, provided by village charters here in Wichita. Amtrak has contracted with them like they've done with other, uh, in other geographical areas. And, um, and it will take you in, from Wichita, if you're going south, to Oklahoma City in time to connect to the uh, to the Heartland Flyer in, in Oklahoma City and, and go all the way down to Fort Worth and then places beyond. But as of now, you could buy a ticket on Amtrak for $64 and, and catch that uh, charter bus. It's nonstop to Oklahoma City. I will say that out of respect to Ponca City and Ark City and Kansas and Ponca City, Oklahoma, there was about four stops on the passenger rail side that are not part of the of the charter system. So when you get on the kind of the luxury charter bus in Wichita, you go nonstop to Oklahoma City to get on the uh, get on the train. So it, in a way, it's got some increased speed and comfort that um, to get you there and get get you going. Now, I mean, that's a great step. Now, Amtrak um, stops in Newton right now in the middle yes. of the night. In the middle of the night. Yes. Is, I, I mean, obviously, when you travel some some parts of the country, because Amtrak, you know, gets gets moving, you know, all the time, so it's never, you know, it never just runs during the daylight. Um, does having... Uh, a stop in Newton at night, both you know each way, east and west. Is that a is that a downside for uh, people taking the train uh, from Wichita, or is that a positive side, meaning they can conduct business during the day and then leave leave town at night? Well, correct. You make a good point. It's it's not convenient uh, if you look at at the Southwest Chief. Southwest Chief goes from you know. Uh, Chicago to Los Angeles and same ones going from Los Angeles to Chicago. And about halfway between that is, uh, is Newton. 
And so both trains going both ways kind of hit Newton at the halfway point about an hour apart. So uh, uh, Amtrak's goal and, and our goal was to do we catch that traffic? Do we, do we deliver people from Texas and Oklahoma up to Newton in time to catch that going either way? And vice versa, when, when either one of those trains stop within the hour of each other, they can depart off of, off of the Amtrak Southwest Chief line and wait to catch the bus at an, at an early hour, for sure, and uh, or catch the charter bus and then uh, come into Wichita and then uh, go on from there. So I might, add, I might add, like, for Wichita, it departs just shortly after 5 o'clock in the morning to go to Oklahoma City. And some have said, well, 5 o'clock, but as most of your listeners may know, if you're going to go to an airport and catch an early flight, well, you're, you're usually at any airport in the country at 5 o'clock to catch a 6.30 or 7 o'clock flight in the morning as well. So That's what I was just going to say, because if, you, if, you, if you're a businessman or you want to travel out, you need to go to, um, you know, and, kind of, and just run and, and, you know, catch a, you know, seven. Sometimes you have with right. TSA, you have to be there, you know, an hour, an hour and a half early. Uh, exactly. it's, almost just like, it's almost just like taking, you know. Um, but this time you get to cover, you get to see America on the ground. You don't see it from yeah. above the clouds. Well, and as, as, as your listeners probably know, if you've ridden Amtrak, I mean, the, the, even the coach seats are, are in, from when I've done it, it, the coach seats are wider, more leg room, they relax better than any first class seat on any uh, on any airline. And I'm not to disparage the transportation of airlines because it's quite well, but uh, but what you mentioned is very true. It's, it's incredibly comfortable to uh, to ride on Amtrak if you're leisure and if you're business, you can work and uh, they got the Wi-Fi and you can work uninterrupted and it's, it's quite nice. Well, here in Saint, here in Missouri, where we're where our headquarters uh, city is and where I live. We have, you know, the Southwest Chief, we have the Texas Eagle, but we also have the Missouri River Rail Runners, which run between St. Louis and Kansas City twice a day. Um, Kansas in, you know, Oklahoma is still fighting right now with uh, funding for the Heartland Flyer, but Kansas, the, the towns seem to want it, but the state levels just are having a hard time understanding that the cities want it too, you know, the cities really want it. And they need their partnership. I mean, obviously, the western cities out uh, in Kansas helped save the um, Heartland, the Southwest Chief, recently um, from getting rerouted and, and coming up coming up with things. What does um, Wichita stand to gain if the the state of Kansas would would uh, come up with funds to help support? Uh, 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 extending the Heartland Flyer to Newton and, on, and obviously on into Kansas City. Well, um, yeah, that's a great comment, and and you're right that you, you summarize the history of, of uh, wondering about uh, the funding. Uh, what well, we have worked closely with Kansas Department of Transportation and realized our, our, our KDOT secretary and even our governor has realized that by by doing the capital costs, to improve some of the sidings or the the passing lanes, as you as you want to call it, not only would it it would provide a a, a requirement for Amtrak service, but it would it would increase drastically the uh, 
the movement of freight of these 40 trains a day that I've talked about before. So the capital cost to do that is not as big as a uh, as, uh, issue as the ongoing uh, ongoing operational revenue and costs that would, would to deliver the service on a yearly basis. And uh, the thing that has Amtrak and the states excited is is uh, today the the passenger count from Fort Worth, Oklahoma City. That annual passenger count is is eighty to ninety thousand uh, a year. Uh, just to compare, but the they've already and this was even before I got involved in very very active involved. Uh, I saw a study which which was an eye opener to me that that if they just connect Oklahoma City, if they just extend it up through to Newton to allow these pass-throughs to go to Kansas City or to go west to whatever way to go, those numbers go from 90000 a year to over 200000 a year. So, um, and that in turn creates, obviously, increased revenue for everybody. Using the ter- same train sets, the same schedule, or just extending the schedule. And uh, so there's a little bit of, I would say, there's a little different kind of a rate of hope, if you want to call it, or whatever, that they we're just not the normal. Hey, we want to do train service between Kansas and Oklahoma. It, it's mm-hmm. it's got some connectivity that's got a lot of merit to it. One of the things that uh, one of our listeners brought up um, to us a couple years ago when we first when we first started discussing um, coming to Wichita was the fact that both Oklahoma and Kansas both have a turnpike system. And the people that are responsible for the turnpike don't want to see Amtrak uh, extended because it would it would semi parallel the same route of the turnpike, and they would lose their investment. What's how do you work through that and, and um, build on that um, for Amtrak? Well, I, I think you it, it's it's a it's a matter of just uh simple data. I mean there's uh thousands of cars a day going on these, these roads and uh you know, at this time all we're doing is connecting one uh passenger uh service going each way in the morning and the evening. And that'll have anywhere from what, two hundred to two hundred to three hundred uh people on it. And so uh, the impact is is negated uh, I have not heard that as a, as a major argument, uh, or I don't know if the argument's the right word, but I've not heard that as a major issue. Um, now, when you, if Amtrak was ever to go back, and the next segment we're going to meet with the president uh, and CEO of the uh, Great Wichita Partnership, who's redoing Union Station, um, mm-hmm. would would uh, Wichita ever get use that Union Station again for a, yeah. um, a train service? Absolutely, we will. Uh, they are doing a great remodel job uh, of the uh, original Union Station. It's right there, like every city had. It's 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 located right in the heart of the city, and uh, there is a space in the Union Station footprint where, uh, and we've already sent. Uh, ADA compliance and all the all the compliance documents. Uh, this developer has that, and they've even done a schematic of what that uh, of what that 
gonna it be a kind of a modern station that's that's attached to a to a very historical building. And uh so but yes, the answer short answer is yes, it will be right there with plenty of parking. You leave your car a long time and go right. Will it be an intermodal station, or because right now you 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 have your your plans are to build a downtown transit center downtown? Is that part of Union Station, or is that a separate project? That's a separate project, right? That's a downtown transit center for for bus and potentially bike and other pedestrian type uh, services. So the Union Station would be separate. It might have it might have its own bus terminal, so to speak, but but that's what it is. Yeah. Also, uh, moving on here, um, Wichita has uh, a great model train uh, history. Uh, we have the model train layout in the garden here, the garden scale. Um, we have there's lots of tra- train shows uh, every year around Wichita that people showcase their you know their their train layouts and stuff. One of the things that is most unique is Wichita is home to Chance Rides. Wichita. Yeah. Chance Rides makes uh, a copy of a miniature steam engine that's used in many park uh, uh, zoos and parks all around the country. How important? How important does that connect um, with uh, the city? Well, Chance Manufacturing is a man. It's a great asset for our city, as far as uh, and you're right. They they manufacture not only uh, small trains and uh, trains for for amusement parks uh, all around the world, actually, and then they do other rides as well that you see in amusement parks, and and uh, and they've just completed a great replica of a of a of a train in this kind of a, a antique type with with the with the ridership, and and we are currently running it. We just rolled it out uh, last month in one of our. One of our largest attended parks here in Wichita. It goes around some lakes and over little bridges and stuff like that. Kids love it. I think it costs like two dollars a ride and uh, pretty enjoyable. The chance is a big part of our of our city and our and our st- efforts. Well, thank you very much for coming on today, um, Councilman. It's been a pleasure. I I love to come come to Wichita. It's it's heritage uh, on the plains. It's kind of the uh, an oasis in the rolling hills of Kansas. Um, we'll be we'll check back with you guys in a couple of years to see where Amtrak and where Passenger Rail Service is, and um, hopefully, um, you, since you guys will be getting some of the um, the transcon business um, from Mexico and and all that area, your town will be hopping with railroading. Well, we hope so. Uh, as Amtrak says, they they provide service to the top 50 cities in the country and Wichita is like 49th, but they only do not supply service to about three of the top 50 and Wichita is one of the three. So they like to connect population centers. So that's another driving force, but we want, I want to personally thank, we have great friends in the, in the passenger rail area in Kansas city and in Oklahoma city and, uh, and then in, uh, uh, Eastern Colorado and New Mexico, and they've been a great asset. It's we're all uh, we're all on board there, and it's it's really been good. And so I want to thank you for hosting me on this show as well. It's been a very rewarding. All right. Well, we're going to take a break, and we'll come back. We'll continue our conversation from Wichita. This is the okay, Let's Talk you. Train Show. Bye bye. Hear that? 
That's the sound of new homes being built in Windsor, Colorado. That's stores and restaurants opening. That's people punching in at a new job. And that is a freight train, a big reason why so much is happening in Weld County. I'm Weld County Commissioner Sean Conway. Over the last three years, our county has seen economic growth and job creation. I'm Jason Martinson, the Logistics Process Manager for Vestas. We're the world's leading manufacturer of wind turbines. Our four new plants in Colorado employ over 1,700 people. We built here because access to freight rail helps us move our turbines to market. When large companies like Vestas come, so do suppliers, other businesses, and more jobs. It's what economists call the ripple effect. I call it the freight rail effect. Freight Rail, delivering goods and materials to every corner of America and bringing jobs and economic growth along for the ride. Visit FreightRailWorks.org. All right, welcome back to Wichita, Kansas, and uh, the Botanica Gardens. And uh, we're at the uh, Gene Spear Railroad Garden, um, and we're going to talk now with the president and CEO, or our chief executive officer, um, I'd say um, bandwagon leader, everything uh, for the Great Wichita Partnership. And Jeff, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you very much for joining us on this beautiful, beautiful blue sky day. With a, we're actually in around a bunch of pine trees, so it's really nice. And smells, of course, were really nice. Thank you very much for joining us. Ted, we're glad to be here. And, and actually, every day is like this, so this is not a surprise weather day. So uh, people are always welcome to come to our city. But thank you for the opportunity to be able to sit down with you today. I wish I knew that was true. I, when I lived here, folks, uh, back in 1999, we actually had a tornado that took out a town just east of here called Landover. So uh, I remember that very well. <laughs> um, Jeff, tell us a little bit about the great uh, Wichita Partnership and what it does for the city of Wichita. Certainly. Well, the Great Wichita Partnership is actually uh, covers anything from downtown development to a 10-county region. And so we work to align and focus, if you will, the economic development initiatives of our city and the 10-county area. So again, we're working with the vibrancy of our downtown, which includes Union Station, which is one of the items I know we'll talk about today, our historic train station, but also how is it we work with the region and how is it the connectivity, and certainly rail is an important part of the connectivity of our city with other cities like Oklahoma City, Kansas City, et cetera. We talked with the councilman about the new about the new throughway bus uh, operation between Oklahoma City and Newton that Wichita is on the line with. How important was that to establish that throughway service to show Amtrak and the community that people were actually interested in taking the train? Well, it's really important. I mean, and, and certainly Councilman Meissner has been uh, a huge ally of making that happen. He's been he's been working with other Secretary King and others in our state to see that come to fruition. And so when that was announced just a few weeks ago, that was the first time in probably 37 years approximately that we had that Amtrak connection for our city. It's really important, though, because one of the things as we develop uh, Wichita and the region is connectivity. And connectivity comes in a lot of different ways, uh, certainly through airport through our transportation system with the highways, and now importantly with rail. And so again, as we're developing our city, the region, that's an important aspect to be able to talk about with our communities as far as uh, commercial development, our, our companies as far as attracting talent, because talent with the millennial generation, uh, they want connectivity. And I think, again, bringing this as an opportunity helps us as we further look at the economic development of our city and our region. With, with Wichita having such a, a heritage past of railroading, 
Um, and it, of course, fell by the wayside for a while. What happens to the, the town now that they're interested in getting it rail passenger service back? Well, I think it certainly takes us to a different level. Uh, I think, it, in, as you have noted, uh, rail service, I think, dates back to the 1870s coming into Wichita. Uh, and then we had the Great Union Station built uh, around 1914, uh, just recently celebrating a 100 years uh, celebration, if you will. Uh, that station has now, right now, is under redevelopment um, by a local uh, development group. Phase one is now done. Uh, it's about a $54 million project with another phase that will follow. Uh, but again, it's, how are we looking at that train station in today's view, which is part of our heritage? If you go down, everyone knows Union Station. Uh, they know about that. There is a fascination with trains. I mean, if, as you travel down Douglas Avenue, uh, right there by the train station, there's a locomotive that's parked right there. So it's the vista as you come into our downtown. So again, it's part of our heritage. I think now looking to the future, uh, as the developers of Union Station, they, they're thinking ahead. Head. And as part of this, you know, what we want to eventually see is Amtrak flowing through Wichita. And so even in their thought process of looking to the future, there's a component that's designed for Amtrak so that, again, when we see that, that service restored eventually, we believe, uh, Amtrak will be an important part of it as we go forward. Now, the, the Union Station Phase 1, now this is a Union Station that is a beautiful, and we'll put pictures up on it on the Facebook page later um, this week, but it is an elevator platform. It had two or three tracks, I believe, because um, I didn't get up there um, when we came. But in one of, and then there's two active freight lines, considering. But the the platforms are still there. The canopies are still there. What was what was involved in phase one of the rebirth of uh, Union Station? Well, you know, now, I mean, train stations are, they're an epicenter of activity, you know, as far as community celebrations, uh, again, reflective of our past, but also looking to the future. So what's happening in phase one with Union Station is that the area in front of the main terminal, the historic terminal, is now a large plaza. Uh, it's where community events are going to be held. A lot of the things that are happening now in cities are food truck vending, uh, and they've actually built in um, stationary kitchens that, that's on that plaza that kind of help will you know, with the part of the community festivals. Um, the original depot building has been restored as well. It now has restaurants in it. Uh, and then there's a, the historic hotel that was adjoining the, the Union Station property. So in phase one, we have about 40,000 square feet of office space, retail, and restaurant. That is 100% occupied now. Uh, so again, two years ago, that was not the case. That 40,000 square feet was not. Today it is. You have the reactivation of a really great plaza in front of the historic terminal. Uh, what we're doing now is working with the developer on phase two. Phase two will actually add new office space uh, adjoining the, the terminal. We're looking for the right tenant for the historic terminal itself so that, again, we can keep it intact. That's, that's one of the great things that's that building is still very much intact. I mean, the uh, the clocks, uh, some of the all the original terrazzo, the marble, all those things are still there. And so that's unique. A lot of times that's lost over time. For Wichita, that's still in place. So again, all those parts are being reused as part of that next phase of its history. Now, the the U station is a white building. It's, it's a white. It's not brick. It's, so it's a like marble, white marble or limestone or. There's a lot. Of, there's a tremendous amount of glass. In fact, uh, part of its history is is the knowledge of all the natural light that is in the the building itself. 
And, and what's dynamic is that Union Station is part of about $180 million right now along Douglas Avenue. Douglas Avenue is like our Michigan Avenue uh, in Chicago. So along that corridor, it's part of $180 million transformation in our downtown just on that street alone. So, again, the historic quality of the building is extremely important as we kind of look to the future of our city. Now, Union Station is actually in located in or around it is now – a lot of loss where people are, are moving in and, and what, how does the loft area help the progress for unionization? How do, and how do you get people out of their, out of their loss and go to unionization to take the trains? Well, you know, part of what we're seeing, uh, like a lot of North American cities, is a tremendous rebirth in residential. Uh, today, right now, we have about 808 units under construction in our downtown area. We've had about 425 completed in the last four and a half years. Uh, we are approaching 2,000 people now living in the downtown area. So what's happening is our downtown, again, is becoming a 24-7 environment. Uh, like a lot of American cities prior to the last 10, to 10 years or so, they were an 8-to-5 environment. Today, with the residents coming in, it's a 24-7 environment. Now, what's happening is, you know, the architecture of the Union Station is kind of a Beaux Arts um, architecture. Uh, and it, Lewis Curtis was actually the architect on the building. Surrounding it are actually warehouses that go back to the mid-1800s. So, again, all this architecture is complementing the whole environment. So what's coming into play now is entertainment residential, commercial, uh, all that is coming into it. Old Town is adjacent to Union Station. Old Town is our entertainment district, which are the old warehouses. That's unbelievable. You have 500,000 square feet of, of retail, restaurant, and commercial in that development. So, again, a lot of energy. There's a new um, interest bank arena that seats about 15,000 people adjoining the Union Station property. And so, again, that's become a hub. In fact, in 2018, we'll have the two, first two rounds of NCAA in that arena. So, again, Union Station is a part of that epicenter of activity and excitement in our downtown. With, with the fact that Wichita is also bike-friendly, and, you know, and, of course, Amtrak is now allowing bicycles on a lot of their trains and pets, how what's can will when you redevelop the Union Station will there be a bike you know component to that where you can store repair rent bikes? Most definitely, the the developers are looking at all those things as opportunities. And one of the things with Wichita is that we have over 100 miles of bike paths, uh, jogging trails. It's a connecting system, and downtown is an integral part of that system. So if you're on the train and you know and you get off in, in Wichita and you have your bike with you. You can easily jump on, again, over 100 miles of, of trails and bike heads throughout the whole city. Uh, that's something that we realize is really important, too, as we go forward, another part of that connectivity. So, again, yes, uh, to your answer to your question, there's a lot of connectivity with the bike system uh, in addition to other modes of transportation. Now, let's turn our attention to when I ventured out to the, the county zoo, which is the Wichita Zoo, is owned, actually owned by the county, um, there's a railroad line that runs pretty much right across the street from us. Where does that railroad line go? And is Wichita thinking of being a commuter city and with, with heavy rail or light rail in this future? 
Well, I think that what we have the opportunity now is to look and explore with this connection back to Amtrak is really looking at it's the usability of it and promoting of it. I think these things are opportunities to build upon because, again, I think people are looking for alternate ways of, of transversing. I mean, if you now that we can connect to Amtrak the way we have it, you can go on all the way down to Dallas. And I think that's the part of that, that uh, Councilman Meissner is looking at is how is it that we look at rail to connect not only the region but multiple states? And that's, that's a lot of our discussion now is how do we connect down to Dallas, Oklahoma City, Wichita, Kansas City. And again, that connectivity becomes really important. So what's happening is I think there is a, a heightened awareness, a new opportunity that's coming along. People have a fascination with trains. I mean, where we're sitting right now is a great environment with the, with the miniature train. And then also, I, to me, they're fascinating. I love going up to Union Station and, and being up there with the tracks where our, where the, when those come, you know when the trains come through our cities. The other thing that's really fun to watch is how the trains interact with our commerce. I mean, that's a huge part of who we are, and you'll see the fuselages coming out of spirit. Aerosystem, uh, the 737 fuselage on the trains, leaving here to go to different ports. And so, again, all that is a dynamic of a thriving city. So I think we've got new excitement that's coming up every day with this. And that's what I, I guess what I'm saying is it's a great spot to watch trains in, in the commerce. And as you mentioned, is really neat, important because with Boeing being here and, and building the fuselages and then taking them up to uh, for final assembly up in, in Washington, if you're a rail fan and if you look on YouTube and you look on some of the rail fan pages, that's some of the most photographed trains are the fuselage trains when they go through Kansas City and then they head up north. Um, we, actually, we actually have uh, images of the trains with the fuselages from Spirit in our office because it is, it's fascinating to see that, uh, actually going through the heart of the downtown to see those planes going through. And so, again, it is. It's a dynamic part of commerce. Because I don't think, is there a campaign to realize, you know, locally that um, how many people in Wichita how their services come from a train, their goods, you know, that they buy, their their food that they eat, you know, all that, you know, grain and stuff. Do people do people make that connection um, here in Wichita? I don't know the answer to that, to be quite honest with you, Ted. But I think one of the thing is is that certainly, again, I think that trains are being viewed in a whole new way now. It seems like to me, um, there's an excitement with them. Um, I know that. You know, connecting to, to major cities like Chicago and on Dallas down to the Gulf Coast. Again, all major things that we're seeing now. And I think that one of the things we're doing with the partnership is looking at transportation and logistics. I think that being cent the centrality of, uh, of Wichita in the country affords us the opportunity of crossroads, if you will, of a lot of markets. And so, again, I think with what we're doing even in the region, we have, a, we have what we call the blueprint for regional economic growth, and transportation logistics are a big part of what we're looking at with that. So, again, to answer your question, I think that's a heightening understanding of the importance of it and what we need to be thinking about. When you, when you and as I mentioned with the councilman, you know, Oklahoma and Kansas both have turnpikes. How do you get people off the, out of the cars and onto the trains, and do you think, you know, instead of, investing um, in new turnpikes, how do you, you know, instead of investing in turnpikes, put them on fuel-efficient railroad passenger cars? Well, I, I think, again, it all goes to the marketing of the experience. You know, what is it that, what's the experience if you want to take trains? Uh, and I think there's a great one to be able to market that. And I think that, again, where we're headed as a country, 
with the millennial generation particularly, they, they love to be able to fact to have different modes of transportation, different ways of connectivity. So again, I think they're, you know, we, we, automobiles are still going to play an important part of our economy and how we transverse throughout the North America. But again, I think what we're starting to see is through transit. I mean, that's the other piece of this is how trains connect to transit. Because again, that's a viable link to it as well, is that there's a more there's a more understanding and wanting to have those different alternatives of transportation. So I think we're going to see as the millennial generation gets more and more into the workplace, and by 2023 they should be about 50% of that workplace, you're going to see more emphasis on what are the alternate ways to transverse. And I think that's where trains have an opportunity to really see a resurgence as well. Well, Jeff, thank you very much for joining us, and, and good luck. And uh, as I said before, we'll be back in a couple of years. Hopefully it won't be as long as it was last time, this time, um, because I want to be here when you get, you know, the, fa- the actual train passenger service or the, or the Metrolink or the, or the, you know, the commuter rail, you know, up to, you know, somewhere like Andover or somewhere like that where you can get cars off the road. I mean, you have a major highway expansion on uh, interchange on 235, 135, and then Kellogg. It just, it just seems to get all the cars off the road and, and get, get them on trains and, you know, it makes it a lot more economical. Ted, we appreciate you being here, and anytime you're welcome in Wichita. We look forward to for you to seeing the progress since the last time you were here. Hopefully, it won't be as long next time, and you'll continue to see that progress here in our city. All right, well, thank you very much, Jeff. We'll take this break, and we'll be back. This is the Association of American Railroads Audio Service with a report on the way the nation's freight railroads are building for the future. As the economy grows, so does the need to move raw materials, industrial products, and consumer goods. The vital link in that chain is provided by the nation's freight railroads. And they've taken a look ahead and determined they need to invest more than $160 billion over the next 20 years to carry their share of the load. That's in addition to the more than $200 billion it will cost to maintain the system. The good news is that railroads are already investing record sums, more than $6.6 billion, or almost 20% of revenues in 1999. That's a higher percentage of revenues put into capital improvements than any other industry in America. Railroad officials think they'll be able to increase those investments thanks to the Staggers Rail Act of 1980, which freed them to compete in the market against each other and against trucks and barges. They say that law has already resulted in improved productivity, lower prices to customers, and more investment. Building on that, Railroads are confident they will be able to keep up with the economy's need for even more freight transportation in the future. For the Association of American Railroads, this is Tom White in Washington. Only Donner Rails brings you exclusive railroad action entertainment, giving viewers the best seat in the house as they ride with crews of expedited freight trains over the Sierra Nevada. Check out some of our hot new titles on DVD, like Cab Ride Over Donner Pass. That's good, 97, stop and stretch. See how train concepts are constructed in the famed Roseville Rail Yard. Then climb aboard an EMD SD-60 freight heading east over the mighty Sierra Nevada. When severe winter storms hit the Sierra Nevada's dumping up to 35 feet of snow, look out. Here comes the flanger. 
every time you go up and you're on that flanger and you can't see the end of the engine, it will raise the hair on the back of your neck. Catch a ride with the Flanders Night Crew in Winter Rails Over Donner. See many other titles by visiting our website at www.donnerrails.com. All right, we're back. This is the Shuttle Train Ted, and we're at Botanica in Wichita, Kansas, and we're talking trains, all kinds of trains today. And uh, now it's my deep, deep, deep honor um, to talk to two gentlemen that are um, employed and, and uh, associated with a uh, company that I've had the chance to ride their, their trains many, 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 many times as early as like two years old. Um, they are the Chance, right now called Chance Rides uh, Manufacturing Company. They're based here in Wichita, and they um, are the, from my research, they are the third largest manufacturer of locomotives in the world. And when I say that, because they manufacture the locomotive, but they also manufacture the cars that you ride around in zoos, amusement parks, railroad museums, and a few. There's, there's, a, there's one in our museum in, in uh, St. Louis. It's really a pleasure to uh, talk to you, gentlemen, and um, thank you very much for coming out today on this beautiful day. Let's, let's get your name and your, uh, your title first, and um, then I'll let you pass over to your special guest here. I'm Larry Breitenstein. I'm the National Sales Director for Chance Rides. Dwayne Wickman with Chance Manufacturing Company, also. And Dwayne, you've you've been you've been around Chance for a very very long time. You're probably one of the most senior employees there. How does that make you feel that someone from you know an internet radio show comes to a town to talk to you about your company and what you do for millions and millions of children and adults all over the world? Well, it makes you feel very proud that you're interested enough in uh, coming to Wichita to see us. We've manufactured uh, since 1965, and uh, during that time we've ridden a lot of kids, made a lot of little boys and little girls happy. What makes Chance the leader in in this, this miniature train? It's not really miniature, but it is miniature um, business. Why Why haven't anybody else... Around. Well, there, there has been some competition come and go, and, and there are some manufacturers that build overseas in Europe. Uh, what makes us special is the details, and we still hand build it like a Rolls Royce, and it still takes two guys to complete the, 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 the build uh, over a two-and-a-half-month period. So it takes us about six months to eight months to build a locomotive and a couple of coaches. And we can build anywhere from five to eight a year, and they go all over the world. Matter of fact, we're getting ready to build, our, right now for the Denver Zoo, our 390th train. And they are the most popular miniature train. They're a one-third scale of the original C.P. Huntington train that was built back in 1863, and it was a transcontinental train. So we feel very proud of our heritage, and that's what started our company. And the Chance family has continued that tradition, and we still are very proud of that machine. And we're, we're very fortunate that we had uh, the opportunity to replace a 30-year-old train right here in O.J. Watson Park in Wichita, Kansas, just recently. Why, why pick the steam train? Is that because it's the most iconic and not, and not one of, or do you manufacture other trains? 
No, we just manufactured the, the Western style train, the CP Huntington style. Uh, we've had a lot of people come to us, but typically they're talking about a one or two off train, there, and, and so we don't really see a big opportunity selling them going forward. We've even had people ask us to build our train on larger scale for some of the bigger amusement parks, but we've decided that this is our fit, this is our niche, and, and this is what we're good at, and we want to stay with that. Uh, it's being built right alongside the roller coasters and the the carousels and everything else that we build at Chance Rides, but it is our pride and joy. When you you talk about the family atmosphere of the the company, that's kind of unheard of anymore. Um, How has your recently, you just recently lost your CEO and president, how has that affected the company? Or has that made the company more stronger for what it what it was well it was started way back yonder with harold chance and harold was very strong with the building of the cp huntington train he wanted to compete with the iron horse train at that time and uh, it has it has uh, <laughs> excuse me it has yeah <laughs> it has uh Evolved and kept going, and now we've we've sold the trains all over the world. Basically, one fact: our largest order was to Germany, with the uh, Europa Park, where they've sold ten of them at one time. So uh, it's it's been the backbone of the of the uh, of the company. What all goes into? Um, I mean, the designs are the same, pretty is, is is patented, but what all goes into building it from? You know, the time you get the metal to you know, out of the factory, do you, you know, how, how long does it take to go from, okay, we got an order, let's build it? Well, it depends on how busy we are. If we don't have anything going, why well, we can keep right on going and start and get go. But probably within uh, four months, we could probably have it. But most of the time, we get in production. We're talking uh, six to eight months before we could have the finished product. Now, do you manufacture the rail railroad tracks too, or just the engine? We just manufacture the locomotive and the coaches. The rail is a standard rail, 12 to 20 pound rail, and so uh, uh, that's bought, and they can purchase that just as well as we can. What What are some of the um, innovations that have come um, since you started building uh, that locomotive? Well, some of the most recent upgrades have been, you know, we, we found better ways to cool it for, for the hotter climates that the trains are operated in. You know, we've also found newer, uh, more uh, EPA, more fuel efficient type engines. We've just recently switched over to meeting the new EPA uh, Tier 4 uh, regulations that just came out here about a year ago. We're, we're continuing to, just like Ford or Chevrolet, we continue to perfect our, our, our product. We, we continue to try to look for better ways to do that, better materials going forward. Uh, you know, the big thing these past few years has been the uh, Audible. Everybody wants to have, you know, some, some way to communicate or do a tour or uh, at least uh, do safety uh, messages while taking a train ride. And so we really try to research re- re- uh, this and find uh, uh, good partners to partner up with and we continue to try to evolve the C.P. Huntington train. It still may look like an old Western train, but there is a lot of innovation in that train. Um, the train cars have now, you know, some are soft, soft t- uh, tops, some are hard top. Who makes that decision, and why, why the, the difference? Well, the original ones were the old vinyl soft tops. That's how we got started. 
Uh, and I'm not sure when we evolved over to the fiberglass tops, way before my time. I've only been with the company 17 years. Dwayne here has been with the company 50 years. But typically when somebody's ordering a new train, we, we, we do the, the uh, hard tops, the fiberglass tops. They last longer. They're, they're, they're better uh, for the weather and, and for holding up out there uh, under all the conditions. Uh, but we still have some customers that we're adding or replacing old coaches for, and, you know, they like that style. They want it to have that same unique look that it had when they originally bought the, the first C.P. Huntington train, so we'll match it up with the vinyl top. What about planning the layout of the, the loops or the, the route? Do you have any input to say, you know, it can do this, it can't do this, it can't go up this grade? We do. We have a track guide that we worked out with a railroad um, uh, specialist, uh, the Craft and Railroad Company, who does probably 90% of our installations, and he works with their with wh- whoever the customer is and their architect, and they work on the layouts, they work on the grades, they work on the turning radiuses because those are all important on a train ride. And then we 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 get a chance to to take a look at it and give our stamp of approval on it before we decide that our train will be able to uh, work and, and operate appropriately on that track. Now passengers and visitors. They actually can get um, ADA, uh, ADA equipment now, right? We do. We have wheelchair-accessible coaches, and so it, depending on, on who the customer is and how they, they work things out, uh, we have uh, a ramp, a fold-out ramp that is located on the wheelchair-accessible uh, coach, uh, and, and for two purposes. First, uh, to get the, the, uh, the rider on uh, with disabilities, but second, in case uh, they had to ever be evacuated while out on the track, uh, we've got to have that, that ramp on there so that they can be uh, unloaded if, if something should happen to the train. Um, but basically, we, we have uh, coaches that, that handle either one wheelchair or two wheelchairs. Now, we have done some special uh, projects uh, with like the Morgan Wonderland down in San Antonio, Texas, uh, where they have a special needs park, and so we did several coaches that ha- handled the uh, wheelchair accessibility uh, so that they could get more people with disabilities on their train. What, what about um, the physical man, uh, mechanical functions of the train? Does it operate just basically just like a regular locomotive? Do you have a throttle? Do you have a brake? Do you have air, you know, chambers, uh, mirrors, lights? You know, do you have a Fred? Well, yes and no. We we, we do. Uh, you know, it, it, the engine and the power source for this particular train, we are now using a four a cylinder industrial type engine like you'd find in a forklift so that way our customers can get fleet maintenance or people in their area to come out and, and maintain it for them because we still sell to a lot of parks and a lot of zoos that don't have really good beefed up maintenance staff so a lot of times they'll they'll contract that out to a fleet source that will come out and do the, the maintenance right there on their train uh, but yeah we, we we have made upgrades we we have what we call an operator present throttle on there and and that's so that if something should ever happen to that operator while he's operating the train because we have a lot of senior citizens out there uh after retirement that like to go to the zoos and parks and operate the trains and be part of that uh you know if if something should happen to them uh god forbid a a heart attack or or something uh while operating that train as soon as they let off of that then the throttle will come back up to neutral and the train will stop on its own and now is is it air brakes or or is it you know Retard, regular mechanical retardation. No, it is air brakes, air brakes, air, air ride air brakes, right. And what about horns, whistles, bells? Oh, it's got a bell on there that rings, but uh, horns, no. 
They can be batted if they, if necessary, and whistles the same way. Do you have smoke generators? Have you built smoke generators into some of these? Well, because of the new EPA laws, we no longer do that. There used to be a little reservoir on the older trains that they could put a little diesel fuel in and get a little smoke coming through the stack. But as the manufacturer, they don't leave our factory being able to do that, but there are a few of them converted out there once they, they make it to the customer. So, uh, But they don't leave our factory that way. And I guess, have you ever been on one of your trains um, in one of the parks? And if you have, how many parks have you visited or how many sites have you visited that you've ridden the trains and and afterwards you say tell the people, hey, I built that? No, not really. <laughs> well, you mean you haven't taken him on a tour? I, I, I don't. I don't want him on a tour. No, actually, we. I, I've ridden trains all over, and, and it's very exciting for me. And I got to tell you, just recently, within the last couple of years, I had the experience for the first time to be at uh, one of our customers in Virginia Zoo there that had an event for the AZA, which is the uh, Zoo and Aquarium Association. And during that nighttime event, that was the first time I had actually ridden one of our CP Huntington trains at night. And, and it, it's a totally different experience at night. And, and uh, so I, I, I really uh, enjoyed that experience and, and never had that opportunity before. Yeah, it's it's really neat to see the headlight. I mean, when you're looking at it at nighttime, you see this full bright headlight, and then of course on the last train it usually has a, a brake light or you know a single brake light, and it's really really cool to see that. You know, as I said, the St. Louis Zoo has one, and that's the one I'm pretty familiar with. Matter of fact, one of our best friends actually operates uh, one of the train sets for the the zoo there, um, and then the Kansas City Zoo on the other side of our state. As the hardtop, and I always thought it was weird looking at that. <laughs> seeing, seeing the hardtop, like, oh, I does not look like or whatever. Yeah. Um, does what does being in Wichita mean for Chance Rides, and and what does what does that do for the for you as a company employees, and why why they settle here? Well, Wichita is a heartland, and you know. Our employees, Dwayne is a great example of what we have at Chance Rides. Uh, as I mentioned, I've been there 17 years, coming up on 17 years. Dwayne's been there 50. Most everybody else has been there somewhere in between. And, and we, we constantly have uh, a lot of our people in manufacturing, planning, design, engineering, retiring with 30, 40 years under their belt. And that's that's been uh, a wonderful uh, support system for us going forward with so many of our new rides that we put out and our new designs. And, and the, the, the train is still, like I said, that is our pride and joy. It's the one thing that everybody still takes pride in uh, in our company. Uh, we were very uh, lucky and excited that we got to do the one here in Wichita, and it got so much attention from uh, city government and from the, the Parks and Rec uh, people here in Wichita. But that is really uh, the core of our business is our employees. And we're a family-owned, uh, third-generation family. And I know you mentioned something about the uh, recent passing of our president. Uh, but our CEO, Dick Chance, is still very much involved. And he is the son of Harold Chance, who started our company. And we also have other family members, a daughter, another son, and a son-in-law, that are all, they're all very involved with the company as well. Let's, let's, in the last few minutes, let's talk about that, um, the Wichita train that just got replaced. Where is it, why, and what's so important about it? Well, it's over in O.J. Watson Park, and um, about two and a half years ago, 
they had some community meetings there uh, because they were trying to figure out what to do with that park. They had the train, they had a miniature golf, they had paddle boats, they had all these different venues, but the park wasn't really being visited. It's not in a great part of town anymore. Uh, so people have kind of moved away from that, gone to other parks, and they were trying to decide what they needed to do with that park. So what they did is they had some community meetings and they, they put out a list of what everybody wanted to see stay at that park. What was the, the, the list of importance? And the number one on that list that came back to them was the C.P. Huntington train. They felt that that was the one key element to keeping O.J. Watson Park going. And that's, that's what we also felt. You know, they've, they've had trains there for over 30 years. People have been taking train rides. My kids rode that train. Um, I'm sure Dwayne's kids probably rode that, tw- that train at one point in time. And Grand, we want to see that. kids. And grandkids. And we want to see that go on for decades. We, we want to see that train here in O.J. Watson Park continue for many, many more years to come. And it really is. I mean, I, we're going to supposed to go over there later on today to, see, to look at that area. But w- Wichita is just is the center of the, center of the universe, I guess, center of the, at least the, the, the train world for right now with, with all the different things going on. Would you guys put a C.P. Huntington in Union Station, if that would come around, or put, you know, at least, you know, a static display, you know, put it in a, a case or put it somewhere where people could see it. You know, that's never been a question to us. Um, you know, I've, I've not really thought that through. That would be a, a question for the Chance family, who, you know, would would probably have to to donate one or at least uh, loan one for display. Um, so I'm not sure how that would work out. It's not been our focus, but uh, it, it's something that would have to be addressed with family. I guess is what I'm saying is, I guess one reason why I guess I'm asking, because I'm, I'm proud of the fact that you guys are here, but how many Wichitans know that what's going on across the way, you know, because, I mean, you guys expanded with, you know, Ferris wheels and the zip, the zipper? Well, that's an old carnival ride. But, yeah, we, we actually now have evolved into a company where we build these big observation uh, wheels. And, and when I say that, they're climate-controlled gondola wheels that, you know, sit out on piers and, and, and places that you would want a lot of tourism and, and a lot of sightseeing. Um, and, and that's kind of been a, a focus of our company over the last few years. And we still do roller coasters, and we still do carousels, and we do a lot of other amusement mix rides. But the train, you know... What's really evolved there is we have a lot of people that are doing some forward thinking uh, when they put in their train rides. Not only zoos, but we've done like an aquarium in downtown Houston with the Landry's Restaurant Group, and that one goes through a shark tunnel. We put glass top roofs on there, and you look up through the, the, the top as you're on the train ride going through the tunnel, and you see a shark swimming right above your head. And so the, the uniqueness is really caught on, and everybody's trying to turn these train rides into more and more of an experience. And, you know, we just recently did one down in outside of uh, Phoenix, Arizona, in Litchfield uh, Park. And, you know, he takes that train out there. You're right out there with several hoof, hoof stock animals out there. Um, so you might be right, right close to an ostrich or, or a, a mule or all kinds of different animals that he's got running around out there. And so it's, it's really enhancing the experience of a train ride. And where can people go for more information about your company and find out where your uh, rides are located? Well, we have a website at www.rides.com, or, or, or I'm sorry, chancerides.com, and you can certainly look up all our rides at our, on our website. All right, gentlemen, thank you very much for joining us today, and uh, thank you for bringing such a great weather for us. Thank you, Ted. I went that way all the time. <laughs> all right, thank you, guys. We're going to take our top-of-the-hour break. We'll be back after this. 
Join us and help us make the American Passenger Rail Heritage Foundation better than ever. Your membership will help us further enhance our exhibits and attractions in north-central Missouri, including the Let's Talk Train Show. Our goal is to set up a museum dedicated to passenger rail history, including Amtrak, located in La Plata, Missouri. Memberships and contributions from friends like you will help us achieve this goal. For more information about the American Passenger Rail Heritage Foundation, membership, and opportunities available, visit our website, www.aprhf.org. Are you tired of having to click and click and click to watch train videos on the web? Well, why don't you do what I did and give your fingers a break? TheRailChannel.com has great shows every week. They show contemporary and vintage programs that focus on real railroading and model railroads. If it runs on rails, I'm sure you'll find it on the Rail Channel. The programs are updated every Monday, and best of all, you can sit and watch it in full screen with only one click. Head on over to therailchannel.com right now. That's all one word, therailchannel.com. Watch it. Operation Lifesaver presents a 60-second lesson in common sense. Deodorant is not a shower. It's wrong to feed a baby salsa. Don't wear a kilt on a windy day. Never ask a bride why she's wearing white. Don't keep mouthwash next to the antifreeze. Heave on hoe, not on heave. Don't sniff a green sausage. Close your mouth when you hang glide. Don't tap dance on the roof in an ice storm. Don't go swimming in leather pants. If you're in a parade, wave. Never eat a burrito before a road trip. Don't wear lace to a rodeo. One's a malt ball, one's a moth ball. Always walk with pie. Never practice nunchucks in a crowded room. Never leave a plant near the living box. Don't buy sushi on sale. Flowers with thorns make lousy corsages. Don't put a knock-knock joke in a eulogy. Cherry chapstick doesn't taste as good as it smells. Always take your shirt off before you iron it. Do I look fat? The answer is no. And most importantly, never, ever, ever forget your common sense around railroad tracks. A train can come from any direction, on any track, at any time. A message from Operation Lifesaver. Visit commonsenseuseit.com. Now arriving, the Let's Talk Train Show. All aboard! It's the second hour of the Let's Talk Train Show. Live from Botanica in Wichita, Kansas. And it's a beautiful, I don't think I see a cloud in the sky so far. Herb, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, you're here in Botanica. You're, obviously your group is part of this beautiful, beautiful Garden Railway located here in the uh, Spear Railroad Garden. How did you guys get involved in this? Uh, actually, uh, uh, Gene Spear was one of our members, and uh, he was, decided to downsize and donated all of his equipment and everything to Botanica to, to actually do a railroad garden here in, in Botanica. It took us about, he did that probably in 2009. It took us several years to get situated where we had a spot to actually put the railway. Uh, then in 2012, we started building it. We did, first did an uh, inner loop. Uh, then we uh, did that in October of 2012 and ran that during uh, what they call illuminations here, which is our uh, Christmas decoration of the gardens. And we ran that. 
then the next spring we went out and we put the other loop in and built everything else up, built the mountain in the back and uh, started planting some plants and everything. And we actually got that done uh, for the um, 2013 summer. And I think in 2013 is when we actually uh, put the golden spike in and had the uh, ceremony to uh, introduce it to everybody. Well, Herb, we're being joined now by the director of Botanica. And Marty, thank you very much for having us over and, and actually hosting us for this unique event today. Marty, tell us a little bit why you guys decided to have the Garden Railway here in the first place. Well, thank you again for coming. This is great to let everybody know about the, the trains and the interest in it. But this garden actually started with a donation from Gene Spear, who is a local restaurateur here in Wichita. And uh, Gene actually had this train uh, set up at his home. And then uh, when he sold his home, he donated it to Botanica. And uh, it's been a, been a very interesting process. Uh, and what better place to have it? In fact, this garden is the third most visited garden behind the children's garden and the butterfly house. And uh, it gets a lot of attention and a lot of interest, especially at Christmas time. It's dressed up very, very nice. But um, uh, children and adults alike uh, just just love it. Uh, trains have a mystique about them that uh, just creates their interest, and children will come here and just stand and watch them. And, and it's great. And the, the, the volunteerism that goes along with this, with uh, the volunteers that help run it, and the uh, Wichita Area Garden Railroad Society has just been a tremendous help in, in uh, maintaining it, operating it, and setting it up. Does, do you have a count of how many people actually come and visit the garden and, or, and the overall garden? I mean, I know it's one of the most visited. How do you determine who comes and visits? Do you have counters? Do you have, I mean, do you guys do account days where you have volunteers and just start clicking numbers? Well, we do, particularly during special events. But I can tell you last year uh, we had over 220,000 people visit Botanica. Now, Botanica is the botanical garden for which uh, we, you guys are located on the, I guess you'd say, the northwest side of downtown. You're surrounded by a whole other bunch of venues. Um, I guess you'd you near what they call museum, museum Park or something like that would be the appropriate thing for those of you that go and visit Chicago. How do you guys get people here? Are they just word of mouth or and say, hey, come by and visit the, this garden? Well, we're actually uh, part of the museums on the river. Botanica is a freestanding organization. Uh, it is a nonprofit, and um, it was started back, actually it opened up in 1987, and has grown to where it is today uh, from there. And we're celebrating our like our fifth year for our children's garden. This will be what our third year, Herb, for the train garden, or fourth? Fourth year. Fourth year. And um, <clears throat> so we're we're very fortunate to be in a growth mode. And um, um, eight years ago, we had about forty-five thousand people attend, and then last year, you know, we had uh, two hundred twenty thousand. So we do a lot of marketing. We do a lot of special events, and uh, we and we've become uh, we call it number two behind the zoo, 
but uh, there's there's a lot of things that happen here where I definitely have become a destination place, and the, and like I said, the, the train garden plays a, an important role in the overall gardens. How do you determine, number one, I mean, I'm sure the, the, the Railroad Society determines what the buildings and the layout looks like, but how do you guys, I mean, you guys are unique. You know, I mean, um, there, every, there's a lot of botanical gardens that have things. But you guys are unique to show off some of your the plantings and the, the dwarf trees and the, the flowers. Um, do you go exotic? Do you go native? Do you go, you know, local? Who, you know, how do you decide what you, and do you rotate? You want to answer that, Herb? Okay. Um, really on the plantings and stuff, we go out and look what, lasts fairly well in our area for the hardiness and everything. Um, we use a lot of the Alberta pines. We use thymes, uh, sedums, and everything else like that. And it's just kind of going back up what our experience with our members have been in the planting around their gardens and everything. So uh, we, we've got quite a few garden, uh, garden trains here in Wichita. I think there's uh, a total of about 25 of them. Um, not all of them go on our tour that we have annually or anything like that. So, uh, but that's, we just kind of look at what plant survives. We've planted some plants that didn't even last the season at all. So, but, uh, as you know, garden railway, is just kind of a trial and error of what, what will last depending on the soil conditions and the weather that we have here in Kansas. So, well, one of the things that, well, I guess one of the things that I was going to say, because one of our uh, listeners said that you guys should have a tumbleweed exhibit. <laughs> well, that's more for Western Kansas. <laughs> but uh, uh, we, we also we have to deal with drought uh, and the water conditions. Also, we have to uh, work with our own uh, irrigation system that we have here and uh, and, and working with miniatures. Um, you know, it, it you have to experiment a lot, and a lot of them. We've been very fortunate that uh, we've had a lot of survivors, but we we lose a few, and then we'll replant and try something different. Do I guess what I'm saying is do the do the volunteers teach the professionals, and the, and, the, and or do the professionals teach the volunteers? Well, that's that's a good question. We have horticulturists here, thank goodness that that uh, help with the plantings and it's fortunately it's not me because I'm, I'm an MBA guy <laughs> and love trains. But uh, uh, like I said, and even for them, we do a lot of uh, trial and error as far as plantings go, but, but we're, we're planting a miniature area. And so if we have a loss, it's fortunately, it's not that big of a deal, but, but it doesn't take long to replant and we get going again because we do that all over the gardens here because we turn the gardens. We start out with 60,000 tulips in the spring and they've all since been pulled and out and we're planting uh, another 30,000 annuals and in midsummer we'll have a beautiful flower display here. What, what the, the layout right now is, is how many feet and uh, how many tra- trains can you run on it? Right now, it's only two loops, and it's about 150 feet, maybe 200. Um, they're both they're not in, they're not interconnected loops, um, so we can just only run two trains at a time. It's all track powered and everything. So um, we figured that was the easiest way instead of trying to do remote control. 
for the volunteers and everything because a lot of our volunteers that we're using don't have very much training experience with models or anything like that. So they go out and we get them set up. We have a few set up in the morning. Then we break that into three different um, sessions for two and a half hours to three hours a session. And then they get, the first person sets it up and the last person takes it down. The middle person just kind of sits there and runs it all day long. So, but uh, it's pretty self-sufficient. We have, don't have much uh, maintenance to do on it. We do go through around and pull the volunteer weeds and things like that. But uh, all of our volunteers are great and everything. And without the volunteers, we couldn't be running this train at all. So one of the things I noticed is, you know, you have your step box for the children to get up and look, but you don't have a plate, you know, glass that, you know, you act, they can actually almost reach out and touch. And I'm sure they, they do. That's why the volunteers are there, but which is really important. I, I don't like going to places and a lot of people don't get in, in trying to increase our hobby and stuff. You don't like, don't touch, you know, don't touch the trains. It's like, okay. Let the kids run, you know, you know, have one that you can pick up and, and hold in a safe spot and say, here, this, feel this. Because you have, and I've noticed because we've had a couple of school groups, we followed a school bus, two school bus loads in for our first graders for their field trips. And every, and matter of fact, we've got a whole bunch lined up at the, <laughs> at the uh, deck right now. But one of the things that I've noticed that everybody, they, they, they've never been, some of them have never been here. But when they get here, they're 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 drawn, not just to the trains, but the flowers, the buildings. A couple of them have, have noticed the different buildings, and they, one of them actually asked what what the buildings are made of. Um, do you see growth in this and making a bigger one? Now you're you're basically against the back wall of of the of the I guess western edge of the the Botanica. Do you see growth? And if you do, do you see? tunnels and bridge white bridges that people will walk over into the you know stuff i mean can you as an executive director can you envision that where you get to showcase more more flora flora or flora there's a few frogs that jump around here and everything else squirrels and raccoons that sometimes get into our uh garden but um the answer to that short answer is yes and we've actually have had some expansion discussions of which direction we go and exactly what's going to look like yet we don't know but um, uh, if we have an opportunity to that and we we do have space that we can expand a little bit to the west there uh, it just so happens that this particular spot that we're in um, was an area where it was hard to uh, get plants to grow because we're directly under a, a big evergreen here and so it's elevated, it's shaded, and it's a perfect spot for trains. And um, and so we have enough sunlight for the uh, for a lot of the miniatures to grow, but to, but we also have an opportunity with trestles and bridges and stuff to expand onto the west. But it'll it'll take it'll take something. But right now, uh, what we have now it works well, and it's definitely an attraction. And um, I don't know if we'll ever be as big as like the Omaha Gardens up up there. That's quite an outfit that they have, and some of the others that I've seen. But but we do have a train garden, and it's it has it's a prominence here in this garden. It really, and of course, I will also say on the other side of the building, you have a beautiful Japanese garden that has a beautiful beautiful koi pond. And I mean, I would love to see uh, uh, the the thing in there. 
well, we probably won't put a train over there, but that's actually a Chinese garden, and it's a garden that celebrates our relationship with our sister city, Kaifeng, China. And there's a few features in there that actually are, uh, that depict Kaifeng, like the big scroll on the wall. That's actually of Kaifeng 800 years ago when Kaifeng was the capital of China and the largest city in the world. So there's some very interesting pieces over there in our dragon wall, that kind of thing. So we try to keep our themes. In fact, we have 28 themed gardens here at Botanica, from the Shakespeare Garden uh, to, a, we call it, a, a blue garden with fountains and everything. It's very beautiful, to the children's garden. And um, uh, so we're, we look at what we have, and we try We are a very condensed garden. We're only about 18 acres with an expansion project to include a carousel and a carousel building. And uh, so the, the trains will be part of it. At one time, we thought we'd put the uh, trains in the children's garden. But, you know, there are so many activities. In fact, we wanted the children's garden to be a place where they do touch the plants. And they do are, and they are interactive with what's going on up there. And, and they touch the water and, and, uh, and everything else that's up there. That is an actual children's garden. We encourage that as educational, learning. And and it and it creates their it just creates them an exploration type of mindset. Here we want them to look at the trains and enjoy it. Of course, these all when you start looking at trains, they're pretty sensitive, and you start knocking them around. Um, they're not going to run long. So, but it's close enough to where they they could touch it. It's at eye level, and and they they have an interaction with the train just being close to it. And it, what talk about special need visitors? Um, how do they interact with the, the the layout in the garden? Well, it just so happens that where the train garden is located is in the garden we call a sensory garden. And if you notice, there's a wall out here, and there's a lot of plants growing out of the wall. They can get right up to them. We have uh, the thyme, and we have the uh, the mint and the clover and that kind of thing, so they can actually touch, feel, and smell uh, what's going on. And it's growing right into this wall, and there's flowers in there as well. And so they can roll right up here and um, uh, have total access and view it. There's plenty of room here to to sit and and watch the train, so it can be enjoyed by everybody. Herb, tell us a little bit what kind of trains run and uh, what, what kind of the scenes they depict. Uh, so really, it's just kind of a fantasy. Uh, we've got an old town setting up out the, uh, in the front of the garden here. And then in the back of the garden, we've got more of a rural situation back there. We've got farmhouses and another little station stop depot with a uh, grain elevator and everything back there. Uh, so uh, we run some Bachman equipment. We've got some Aristo equipment. We've also got a lot of LGB um, our, a couple of our LGBs are kind of down right now because we've they've been running for so long and everything. So so we've got a limited amount of locomotive stock. We've got all kinds of rolling stock itself. So our rolling our uh, locomotives get uh, used quite a bit. We run seven days a week from 10, 10 a.m. till 4 p.m. and during the summer it's seven days a week. During the fall it's just on the weekends. And then, of course, we have illuminations that we run. Thirty-five every, nights straight. Yeah. So, and that's long, hard, and if you, you know, uh, the Midwest and everything, how cold, how cold it gets out here. 
and they've done pretty good about staying running and everything. So, well, Marty, let's let's just do this in closing. Tell us a little bit more how people can find you, give you on the web, and give your phone number, and and see how they can come visit this place. Well, first I want to say that the train exists because of volunteers and donations. The trains are all donated, and the volunteers run them. So it, that's what makes it very special. Uh, Botanica is located in the Riverside area in Wichita. We're just west of downtown and uh, just west of Riverside Park. The phone number here is 316 is the area code, 2640448. And the address is actually 701 North Amadon. And as when you put that in your... When you Google that in your GPS or whatever, it's going to show up Sim Golf Course, which is right across the street from Botanica. And that's the best way to get here. And the website address? It's uh, Botanica.org. So just look up www.Botanica.org and you can find us. And you're on Facebook and Twitter? And- we are. We are. We're on Facebook and Twitter and, and whatever else is out there. It's, now, you're, now you're getting too young for me because <laughs> I'm an old guy. And Herb, tell us about you guys' website. I'm sure you guys have a website. We don't really have a website. We're uh, on Facebook. We've got a presence on Facebook as uh, Wichita Garden Railway Society. And uh, I've got a temporary website that is not up to date or anything. So, But uh, we've got our newsletter. You can reach us uh, either by using my uh, email address is uh, Reeves ha at aol.com for more information about waggers and uh the only other thing i'd like to mention is that we do have a annual tour that's the third saturday of september and we've got our train shows here around uh that we do uh demonstrations on too so well thank you gentlemen it's been a pleasure again marty thank you very much for hosting us all here today um i know we brought brought a lot of people into here yeah, it came on a good day. The weather's perfect. Glad you're here to see just see the train garden in action. You've definitely been able to see it today. All right. Well, we're going to take our break, and when we come back, we'll continue our discussion. We'll be back. All right. This is the Association of American Railroads Audio Service, and today we're reporting on the early days of America's railroads. When the first railroads began operating in the United States in 1830, the entire nation had a population of a little less than 13 million people. Most of them lived in communities or on farms huddled near the Atlantic coast or along navigable rivers that fed into it. Inland, there were great natural resources, good land for farming, forests enough to provide shelter for millions, mineral wealth beyond imagination. But those resources were largely untapped. In fact, the entire region west of the Mississippi River had a population less than that of today's Richmond, Virginia. The railroad would change all of that. As tracks were laid west from the Atlantic, new towns sprang up. Industry and commerce developed. Agricultural production increased. Mountains, rivers, distance, these were no longer insurmountable barriers to trade and travel. Railroads conquered them all, and in the process, helped transform the United States from an agrarian society into a mighty industrial giant that spanned an entire continent. For the Association of American Railroads, this is Tom White in Washington. Down at the depot, yeah. Down at the depot. 
888-814-3669. We're back in Wichita, Kansas at Botanica, the Wichita Gardens, the Botanical Garden for Wichita. And uh, we're talking Wichita trains, both model trains, big trains, the history of Union Station, and uh, lots of other things going on today here um, as they get set for a big event for um, tonight. But now we want to talk a little bit about the history of Wichita railroading again. And for that, we figured that the best part um, to do that would be talk about the Great Plains Transportation Museum. And Harvey, thank you very much for joining us. Um, Tell us a little bit of who you are, why you're, and how you got started with the museum. The museum opened its doors uh, to the public for the first time in December 1986, and we've been open ever since. We're open weekends, Saturdays year-round, and then Sundays, April through October, uh, we're open too. So we are a weekend-only operation, but we do special group tours by appointment. We have static uh, displays of locomotives, cabooses, and some other assorted rolling stock. And then we have uh, indoors artifacts and photographs, diagrams, maps, and so forth uh, for people to look at. When, and you're located basically right across the street, right across Douglas from Can, uh, Wichita Union Station. How important, before we get involved in the museum, how important is the redevelopment of Union Station to your museum? Well, that would be nice if it, when it gets up and running so we have extra traffic going by, and when they look over and see the museum, they'll uh, want to take time to come by and uh, see the museum because we get a lot of walk-by and drive-by traffic now. Uh, people that come and see us, when they put down the reason for seeing us, they'll uh, put Internet or maybe some of the uh, tourist literature, and then a lot of times there's walk-by and uh, driving by they saw the museum they see the locomotives up on the bridge and uh, that piques their curiosity and they figure out how to get to our front door and in they come yeah that's that when you you know of course i've been here a while but um when when you drive down douglas and you see this bridge you know rail bridge that because everything's elevated but you see this steamer sitting on top right in the middle of douglas road douglas street you just it's like oh and it's not painted. It doesn't say transportation museum that you haven't, you left it pretty much original. So it doesn't, it's not real corny. And you haven't painted it, you know, weird colors or, or transportation museum. But tell us a little bit about your, when you're located right next to the bridge, just, I guess, on the east side of the bridge, in an old warehouse building or an old retail store? We are located in, on the lower level, what used to be retail. Uh, it was a cafe at one time, and then upstairs, uh, railroad dormitories. Uh, so uh, the part that we are in has been added onto the building that it's attached to. It's, it was not a part of the original building. And we have uh, taken out some of the partitions uh, so that there's not the little sleeping rooms in there that there once were. There's, those are our display rooms and uh, office and store a little bit of storage too. Well, walk us through the museum. I come in the front door. Front door. What do I expect? What do I see? You walk into the gift shop, uh, pay your admission, and upstairs you go. And when you go outside, you'll see the steam locomotive that you can see from the street, and you'll see the diesel electric that you can see from the other side of Douglas. But 
What's a little bit of a surprise is that there's a whole lot more to see off to your right that you cannot see from the street. So there's a, a lot to look at with the rolling stock that's there, and people can get into the locomotive cabs. They can ring the bell in the steam locomotive and get in the cab of the diesel electric. And we have a couple of small uh, industrial switchers and a few cabooses that showcase that and then if the shop crew is on duty they can uh, go inside and see the shop crew busy working on projects of restoration or whatever else they need to do so they can do restoration tell us a little bit about the the, the steam locomotive what is it uh, where where is it from it's a former santa fe steam locomotive it's a 484 steam locomotive built in 1938 baldwin locomotive works built that locomotive we like to say it's the largest steam locomotive on display in Kansas, and indeed it is. And it's, uh, it's an eye-opener when people get up close and personal with it to see how large it is and how large the wheels are because it was built for passenger train service, so the wheels are large for speed. And get up in the cab of the locomotive and look around and see what the engineer and fireman would have seen. There's a rope in there so that they can uh, pull on that and ring the brass bell that's on the front of the locomotive, too. It's right. It's located right next to the active Burlington Northern Santa Fe line, so you can actually be in the cab while you, you see a freight train go by, right? You can be in the cab of that locomotive, in the cab of the diesel electric locomotive, or up in the cupola of a caboose when a train goes by, and you can wave, and uh, sometimes you'll get a friendly engineer, and he'll blow his horn uh, at you, and so he'll wave, and uh, you get the whole works. Uh, the number of trains that go by varies uh, from a low of zero to one to some days where it's busy. You can expect a train to go by every 15 to 20 minutes. Now, is it is that the train? That's not the Transcon. So that that where was that line go? Where did that line go from? It is a part of the Transcon, not the original Transcon, but BNSF takes a lot of their eastbound trains that are going across the Transcon turns them at Mulvane, and they send them north to Newton, and Newton would turn east and rejoin the Transcon a little west of Emporium. So that's what contributes to the busyness of that place. Now, the diesel locomotive, the diesel electric, what is, where was that? Where'd you get that from, and uh, what is it? It's an FP45, former Santa Fe diesel, and the BNSF donated that to us in 1999. It was built for passenger train service for the Santa Fe in 1967. And now, um, you, you have any passenger cars uh, to, that are going to be added to that shortly? Uh, no, the, nothing in the way of passenger cars is imminent. Not that we aren't looking quietly. Uh, so maybe someday we'll have something from a passenger car fleet, but uh, nothing imminent yet. So if some of our rich listeners want to donate something to the museum, you know, I'm sure you'll gladly accept it. Um, the caboose, talk about the caboose. Our caboose collection varies from an old Frisco caboose, a wooden caboose from 1907 vintage up to the newest caboose, which is about a 1982 vintage. The Frisco caboose is uh, all wood except for the running gear and some of the brake mechanisms. And the newest one is uh, essentially state of the art of the cabooses because once that one was built, the railroads were beginning the early phases of phasing out cabooses and going to where they had the rear end devices on trains and cabooses became uh, scrap or some were donated to museums and some people bought them for various purposes, either for their own collection or to be converted into motel rooms. 
And inside you have what type of memorabilia? Um, where is it? Where, how is that focused? The star attraction indoors in the back room is a diorama that somebody has donated to us. It depicts Wichita in 1872 when the railroad first arrived in Wichita. And it's our area. So there's Douglas Street on there and the buildings that were present and the railroad the way it came into town at that point when it first came in. And then we also have uh, artifacts that vary from uh, lanterns to uh, photographs to maps, promotional items that railroads had uh, when they were promoting themselves to, uh, for passenger train uh, patrons and uh, artifacts that agents would have used in the depot uh, for their work. And preservation, since you are a museum, you're actually in, a, a pre in preservation mode. What what do you guys do um, for, for the preservation part of it? Right now, our big preservation um, focus is on the diesel-electric locomotive. We're going to have an event in July uh, to kick off the uh, formal fundraising for that so that we can get it repainted and make it look nice again because it's uh, quite a bit of rust on it right now. Well, it's just outside, so that's natural. But... It, 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 I will say it's really nice. I, we went visited it yesterday, and, and um, it's it, they look they look really nice. I mean, they look almost like they were still you know just sitting there waiting for passengers or waiting for you know something to be you know to be used to go out on the gate. What about the history of Wichita Railroading? Where did that? How does that? How many railroads started came here, and how many are left? Railroad, the Santa Fe was the first to reach Wichita, but it was not actually the Santa Fe. It was another line that built into Wichita because Santa Fe was busy building to the Kansas-Colorado border. They had a deadline to meet, but they were interested in coming to Wichita, so there was a group that organized and built another railroad into Wichita, which Santa Fe eventually absorbed. And then the Frisco came into Wichita, the Missouri Pacific and the Rock Island. The Rock Island arrived about 1887, and then after that came the Midland Valley and the Arkansas Valley Interurban. And uh, the number of railroads in Wichita now are uh, would include the BNSF, the Union Pacific, and the K&O or Kansas and Oklahoma, which is a short line operation, and they primarily operate the Missouri Pacific lines out of Wichita to the west to Hutchinson and to the southwest. Does um, does passenger service if, if they you know right now they've they just restarted the Amtrak Thruway, do you think that passion that people in Wichita would use passenger trains again um, instead of driving because I've talked to several people today here that they've had you know they've they've taken the trains, you know, school trips or whatever, but they've had to go to you know drive all the way to Newton in the middle of the night get on the train in Newton or drive all the way to Kansas City. Do you think that passenger, you know, Amtrak passenger service, you know, inner city um, would be viable? Do you think people in the surrounding areas of Wichita would, would use it? I think so, and I hope so. Uh, it would be handier if there was a way to get onto a passenger train in Wichita and leave, whether you're going south or to the north and then ultimately uh, going west or going east. And then it'd be a handy way to come back into Wichita, too. It's a nice way to travel uh, uh, because uh, for people that don't care to fly, 
uh, it's a way to go. If they don't want to drive to their destination, it's a way to go. One thing nice about trains is you can uh, see the countryside in the daytime, and if you're tired, you can get up and walk around a little bit. You don't have to stop to do that. The train keeps going. With the history of, of Wichita's interurban service, I mean, when did it start? Where did it go? Do you think commuter service should be started first? An attempt to start commuter service should be started first. Commuter service, uh, people like their cars real well, and uh, commuter trains would be fairly hard to succeed in Wichita. It would uh, have to be something uh, designed such that it would attract tourists and people would ride it to for the interest of riding trains. I mean, because you guys got Hutchinson, you got Andover, you've got you know, you've got some really large pocket communities around Wichita that people work, you know, like Boeing or whatever. It seems like it would be a perfect starter starter line or somewhere to to, to go to one of those places. It could be, depending where somebody wants to go and what they want to do there. Uh, these other communities would have to uh, promote themselves a little more, too, to make uh, themselves the destination point for somebody riding a commuter train out of Wichita. When you... How many visitors do you guys get every year at your museum? I mean, where where do you draw from? We draw from, uh, obviously, the local area, but also I'm amazed at the number of people that come into Wichita for the weekend. So we will get people that commute in from uh, areas, uh, Kansas City, Oklahoma, Nebraska, some from Colorado, and uh, then the local people in town for the weekend. And then we get a lot of -of out-of-state people from a ways off, uh, it seems as that the aircraft people, if they're in town for aircraft business and they have a little time to fill, they will come seek out the train museum and visit us. So we'll get people from uh, Washington State, and we get them from um, uh, people in general from Texas, Washington, California, and uh, eastern states too. And how many, um, well, it's, it's, how do people find you? What's your address? What's your email address? Um, what's your Facebook, your Facebook presence or your website address? Okay, our web address is gptm.us. If you want to email the museum, it's info at gptm.us. The uh, street address is 700 East Douglas. And if you're going to mail something to the museum, it'd be Wichita, Kansas 67202. Uh, we do have a Facebook presence. I not the one responsible for that. Somebody else takes care of the uh, social media for us. And are you located on the bus line? Uh, where do they people, if one people want to drive, uh, can they walk there from the downtown hotel? Yes, uh, depending which hotel they're in, and people do walk there from a downtown hotel and um, places like that. All right, well, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Keep it going. Keep, you know, preserving Wichita's history. And uh, we'll come back in a couple of years and see if you've grown and uh, added some more cars and added some more memorabilia. I have a big event this weekend. It's Railroad Weekend. And anyone out there uh, listening, please come see us because we'll have a BNSF Historic Santa Fe car on display, a three-piece train set overall. We'll have a, a premier Railroad Police badge display on this, uh, for people to see. And there's other things, too, that... Uh, People can come see, and then July 16th is Kansas Rail Fest, Rail Fest, and in October we're going to have Missouri Pacific Heritage Days. Wow, you guys got a lot going on.
Well, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure, and uh, th- keep it up. Thank you. All right, we'll be back after this break. Now available, 3D Train Stuff's new Donner Pass route, the High Sierra Crossing for Microsoft Train Simulator. This new add-on features a 90-mile segment of Southern Pacific's scenic overland route, which runs over the High Sierra Mountains between Colfax, California, and Truckee, California. And it's set back in the 1950s at the height of the steam and diesel transition period. Yes, now you can step back in time and learn firsthand what it took to get a heavy fruit block train over the hill from the engineer's seat of a big AC cab forward mallet or pull helper service duty with one of SB's famous 280 consolidations. Or maybe you prefer running an express mail train on a very tight schedule with some SP Black Widow Funnets. Yes, it's a blast from the past. To learn more about this exciting new product, please visit our website at www.3dtrainstuff.com or call us at 1-760-728-1787. That's 760-728-1787. 3D Train Stuff. It's more than just trains. Trainparty.com, the one-stop shopping center for all things trains and parties for kids of all ages. Trainparty.com is a complete resource for the train-themed party supplies, favors, toys, and gifts. Trainparty.com has over 700 railroad-related party items to choose from. Themes such as Amtrak Train, Little Chug Party, Whistle Stop Party, and many more make it simple to select a theme and get your party rolling down the rails. Items available include party wear, games, puzzles, balloons, piñatas, invitations, locomotive engineer costumes, hats, railway series children's books, train cake pans, cupcakes, etc. Don't forget now, trainparty.com on the web for any of your train-themed party needs from start to finish. It's the only place you need to go to get what you want and need. Check it out now, trainparty.com. All right, we're back live. This is the Let's Talk Train Show sponsored by the American Passenger Rail Heritage Foundation. And now we're going to be joined by a we're going to we're going to have a trio of guests here for a little bit. Um, we have Bruce uh, Wilson. He's the he's one of the people that um, volunteers here at the Gardener Layout, but in, here in the Botanical. But he's also one of the people that runs the um, Chance Manufacturing Train out at the new park that just started last week. And we are joined by the marketing director of Visit Wichita and the director slash I guess I want to say big honcho of CEO of, of the of the group. Um, and Susie, thank you guys for joining us. Um, and thank you very much for hosting us and co- kind of coordinating all this. It's it's harder when you're 300 400 miles away to get everybody together, but you guys work with people on the on a daily basis or a monthly basis for events and whatever. So it. It works out really well when we do this. Bruce, tell us a little bit, if you would, what your reaction is when you started out there with a new with a new ride, and how important is it? Well, first of all, first of all, I have I have been volunteering to run the train down there at Watson, down at Watson for over two years now, just as a volunteer. And uh, last September, the previous engine the 21 year old engine uh the transmission went out on it and uh the park board was trying to decide what to do whether to try to repair it or uh, there was um 
some rumors that they were even talking about doing away with the complete train down at Watson Park. And uh, then they finally decided cost-wise to go ahead and uh, order a complete new engine with Chance Manufacturing, Chance Rides. So that was arranged and uh, included beside the engine was the uh, an additional coach. We had two coaches. Now we've got an additional coach. And also at one crossing, they're going to put in blinking red lights and a gate uh, by the concession stand. And uh, so uh, I was excited about the fact that uh, we're, we're improving. And I have said many times uh, my exposure to the uh, train down at Watson is that I want it to look more like a railroad. And, in fact, I personally had made cross-buck railroad crossing signs at four of the other crossings and set them in concrete myself and and uh, have my whistle uh, W back on the post. And because uh, I blow the whistle for every crossing, three short ones to back up. Uh, one long one to enter the depot and two long no yeah and two long ones to leave. I've, I've got the code the whistle code on the engine there where the other operators can can follow through. So anyway, uh, it's been a uh, an in, interest for me to. Of course, I've I'm into model railroading anyway. Like I say, I belong to the Wichita Garden Railroad Society here. And I have an HO layout down my basement that's 40 years old. And I have the, uh, the Garden Railroad out in my backyard. And my dad fired on the Rock Island for three years. And, uh, but I didn't. <laughs> that was after World War II, after he got laid off at Boeing. Well, thank you very much for doing all that. Susie, how important does that mean for this addition, this replacement? What does that mean for the city of Wichita and its visitors? First of all, i got to say thank you, Bruce, for blowing that, tooting that horn, blowing that horn. I've enjoyed that train out there, and it's a wonderful addition to the city. I tell you, it's great that they've restored it and they've brought it back. I think those that have lived in Wichita, it has a long, rich history. It's hard to find a Wichita that hasn't taken the train, um, and it's great for visitors, too. So it's really important for this community. When, when we first called you and, and sent you an email, and said, we're, going, we're coming to Wichita. What was your impression? Well, you know, I'm, I'm actually glad you asked because at first, you know, as you know, and I know you've talked to our council member Pete Meitzner and, and Jeff Fleur, and you've heard our rich history of trains, but at the moment we don't have a passenger railroad. So at first I kind of thought of it a little bit too small, and like, but, you know, we're, we're working on filling the gap, and I know council member Meitzner chatted with you about all of that. Um, but, you know, we actually do have some wonderful things here for visitors and residents alike around trains. So we're happy that we're hosting you. And have you mentioned already, it's a beautiful day in Wichita here. It can't get any prettier than everybody's listening out. It is a gorgeous 72 degrees, not a cloud in the sky. It's a beautiful day. Yeah, it's a lot, it's a lot nicer than being back home where we had hail and uh, tornadoes and everything back home, back in the uh, eastern half of Missouri. Wichita is basically the center of the United States. So it, it had trains going up and down in east and west. And, of course, farmers would and ranchers would bring their cattle to the, the trains here or out, you know, along the line, and they would end up here and come to the stockyards. Does a person 
you know, w with the museum and the heritage of the museum, the Great Plains Museum, and the, the, the rebirth of the depot, what does that do to downtown and making it, making it marketable so that tourists and not just tourists and train enthusiasts, but business people that are here for conventions and stuff, how do you market that to say, hey, come over and look at our history? You know, the, the rebirth of downtown is fascinating, and it's a really exciting time to be here. When you look at even as, as recent as the last five years, there is so much happening, and it really is a rebirth. And to me, you know, I always think of the, um, the downtown is the heart of the city. So it's important that we have a vital downtown for our growth. And when I look at it from a visitor's perspective, you know, um, it's important. And we draw that not only for conventions that maybe will come downtown or sporting events at our new interest bank arena. I will say we're hosting the NCAA men's basketball in just a couple of years. But for our residents, I mean, it's really important. And the museum that you mentioned, I know you just chatted on the Great Plains Transportation Museum. But we have um, numerous museums down, not only downtown, but throughout the city. So there's so many things to do. And while we're talking trains, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the train over at Exploration Place. Have you had an opportunity to get over and check that out? Bruce is nodding his head, yes. Well, at, at Exploration Place, um, that is a, a science museum for kids of all ages, if you will. Old kids, too, all of us. Um, but when you look at the Kansas Miniature exhibit that has a i don't want to say a metal train there's actually several trains with and it, it depicts kansas in the 1950s and it's about 1300 square feet there are 51 animatronics 125 buildings and over 200 uh period vehicles on this so i gotta tell you and bruce keeps nodding his head as a train enthusiast for those that love it when you go it's there's wonderful things in exploration to see but i tell you part where I spend the most time because every time I go, I see something different. I mean, they have Eisenhower's home, Carrie Nation's home. They have the drive-in back in the 1950s. And of course, the railroads. When I, and I wasn't aware of that. I thought it was just the science museum because I, it wasn't, they were just, there was a small, when I lived here back in 1991, it was just a small corner one that they hadn't built this nice big place that they have now on the banks of the Arkansas. Um, did as a marketing director, what when someone wants to come and look at trains, where do they go? Do they go downtown? Can they can they get up to the platform on a on an easy basis so that they can watch trains? Where where can they go to watch trains? Well, trains are actually everywhere in Wichita, as we had talked about, very much in an industrial environment. But you can actually see fuselages for the 747 go down the train tracks um, as they leave in the area. You know, Boeing's uh, fuselages went straight from here in Wichita all the way to the state of Washington and um, continue to do so. So even some of the uh, great big windmills and things that you see, all of those different parts actually travel on the tracks right here around Wichita. So Real live working trains, it's very easy to spot because they're all the way throughout the community. Um, but just for fun, for uh, train enthusiasts, we also have some great opportunities. I know you talked, too, about um, our the actual uh, transportation museum, which is fabulous and uh, gives a lot of history. We also have the Wichita Train Club and Museum, where we, some people that were just passionate about the different types of trains, model trains and all kinds, um, kind of formed an organization back in 1986, and it just is really an opportunity for people to um, that love trains 
to talk trains, to uh, share stories. They even invite people that if they have uh, trains that are not working right now, that they can have experts working on them. Uh, so just a, a fun group and, and, again, places to be able to see both the history as well as actual working trains. I'm going to add one comment on that. When, when Cynthia talked about the fuselage, that is pretty amazing to see that. I don't know if you've ever got to see it back in your day, but now with Spirit producing over, I think, every 737 fuselage that on any plane out there comes right out of Wichita, and to see it, I mean, you get you stop in your tracks and you watch it go down there because they literally they put the railroad car up to the Spirit, and they take them, and you'll see it go downtown and head up to Washington. And it goes, and it goes through, and it goes through Kansas City, which I've seen. I actually, as I said, I lived here in eighty in ninety one. I actually was here when they were built, when they built both Air Force Ones, and of course they were green when they were flying around testing before they went to painting up in up in Washington. And so that was really cool, knowing that that's what those were. Um, a person that comes, they come down from in Newton, take to the Southwest Chief to Newton, and then they, you know, will take the throughway to, to Wichita down to where, I'm not sure where the, the trains, I mean, the, the throughway. I don't know where it stops in Wichita. I don't know if it stops downtown at the at the new intermodal center that they're building or where. But are there are there places to stay that are railroad-themed? Are there bed and breakfasts? Are there places that are nearby train tracks so that they can look out, you know, request like, unfortunately, most people wouldn't, but, you know, rail fans would love to watch, you know, be on a hotel room window of a, that has a train uh, railroad track running that they could see. You know, I'm not familiar with a railroad-themed hotel room, but I think you got a great idea there. <laughs> you know, we're on to something. On to something. Um, and as far as hotels, you know, we have a lot of hotels throughout the city. I mean, you know, tons of hotel properties and a lot of downtown that you can see to my best. I'm trying to think of specifically, but there are hotels. I think that you'd get a, a I guess, you know what? Not many guests are requesting that. <laughs> to be honest, I don't know that I've ever had a guest request that, but you know what? There's always a first. Well, you, you know, if you, if you're familiar with LeClaire, Iowa, that the TV show, the, the two, the pickers, American pickers, that town has a holiday and express that is literally between the tracks and the Missouri, uh, the Mississippi River, and people will go there, and they they go into this new room, and most of them have these earplugs that they you know they they give people earplugs, and say oh the trains are, but it's it's a real haven for rail fans because they love it's right there they can look out their windows or they can go around the back of the hotel and take pictures and it's a little bit elevated and so they can see different things. It one of the things I I didn't touch on with the councilman. Is but I did talk with when we talked with Jeff about rail fan rail fan rail fanning platforms and doing spots where they have you know speakers and talks like that where people can watch trains and and, and stuff safely and you know spend four to five days you know watching trains and you know taking 600 pictures because YouTube the number one video on YouTube is trains. Whether it be model trains or, or real trains, if I know, I know, I ask, I always ask everybody that the convention, convention people, and they're always like, "Are there any rare, uh, restaurants that have trains that run around them, or train memorabilia on the walls?" Not here locally, but what a great opportunity for business development. <laughs> we do, we do have many of the. Uh, we used to. Have. That's right, right over by the airport. Well, and there was one out at Hillside and Douglas one time. There was a restaurant there, 
that had the track around the inside of the of the uh, counter, and you could order, and here would come around your cup of coffee and your meal on a it was a a uh, old gauge Lionel train. When when I talk about um, when I talk about the railroad tourism being a three point eight billion dollar with a B back in two thousand fourteen. Is, that's an untapped market for a lot of these cities. A lot of, you know, in Illinois, they figured it out because there's, there's railroad viewing spots and, and museums and stuff all over. Georgia's the same way. Ohio's getting that way. There's three new rail fan spots to, that are opening up in Ohio. How can Wichita grab that, some of that piece of that pie? Well, you know, I think we're always looking for ways to attract folks here. So I think there definitely needs to be more um, understanding of that here. I think, you know, while we have a, a rich, deep train history, there are surely there are certainly cities that, ha- that excel more in that area. So we are always looking for opportunities, and I think we'll just have to put that on our our watch list. See what what, what becomes of it. Do you guys go to train shows? I mean, do you go to the local ones? Do you go to some of the big regional ones like, you know, in Oklahoma and talk about your town and talk about Yeah, about everything. In fact, two years ago, I went to Durango on the Silverton run. And uh, so, yeah, personally, I have a fantasy for, and my my passion is steam rather than diesel. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, if, in answer to your question, my thought is here in Wichita, our original railroading here was pretty much limited to the Santa Fe and the Rock Island, which now is the Union Pacific, and uh, some of the Missouri Pacific. And But they were just basically passenger and for freight. But uh, the local... The local industry here in Wichita was the aircraft industry. That was the competition. That's what brought people to Wichita was the aircraft in, in industry. We didn't have the rail yards uh, that I grew up with in Kansas City and so forth. Well, guys, how do people find out more about Wichita and, and uh, websites, emails, Facebook pages? We would love for anybody interested in more about Wichita to go to visitwichita.com. Um, we've got everything going on in the city. It's a great resource, whether you're planning a trip and you want information on hotels or events that are happening, visit wichita.com. And you're on Facebook, aren't you? Yes, we are. Okay. Well, ladies and and sir, thank you very much for joining us. That's going to conclude it for today. Thank you very much to our host at Botanica for this great spot. I mean, we're in shade. We didn't have to set up our own tent today, so... And talk about Watson Park. How do people find Watson Park? Okay. It's almost straight south of here. Uh, it's along the Arkansas River. Not the Arkansas River, the Arkansas River. <laughs> and it's south of Pawnee and uh, McLean Boulevard. Pawnee goes right on down to Watson Park. And uh, it's a fishing lake. We have a lot of attractions there. All right, well, that'll do it here from Wichita. We'll see you next time. This is the American Passenger Rail Heritage Foundation's Let's Talk Train Show, sponsored by the APRHF, APRHF.org.
and trade well. Until next time, y'all later.